And now, a word from our sponsors. This is not a test. This is your annual announcement. This year we are offering Scarefair, which will be held on Saturday, October 30th at the San Bernardino County Fairgrounds in Victorville, California. Gates open at 9 a.m. and close at 9 p.m. General admission tickets are only $22 in advance and $25 at the door. VIP tickets are $45 in advance and $50 at the door while supplies last. In the morning, we will be offering trick-or-treating for the kids throughout our vendors. And for the adults, we have tons for you as well. Come meet horror icons like Joe Bob Briggs, Elaine Dietz from The Exorcist, Dr. Satan himself, Walter Phelan, and John Massari, who composed Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Don't forget that we have the psychotic carnival of thrills, where you become part of a horror story. Then, when the sun goes down, enjoy our live music as Roadwork opens for American Zombie, a Rob Zombie spook show. That's not enough? Okay, how about a Scream Queen contest hosted by the ladies of the Taki Horror Podcast Show? Or our cosplay contest, one for the kiddies and one for the adults. So gather your courage and come join the fun. For more information, go to www.pcehd.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 150. Welcome. again welcome to the world of myth bits we are finally here (laughs) we are kind of ready um before we jump in not much in the way of housekeeping things are a little standstilly at the moment which isn't necessarily bad it's just it's just kind of quiet our main focus has been and will be for the next couple weeks Scarefair, uh, which, as you know, is coming up on October 30th, and <sighs> time is moving, and I don't like it. Um, I cannot wait until October 31st. Like, I don't think I will. I, I think I will just sleep very good. I think Dave uh, will sleep very good. I think Eddie will sleep very good. I think everybody involved will sleep Hopefully very good come October 31st. Um, so, which is funny because that's our anniversary. So that's probably a really bad day for us to be sleeping. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, that's how we will spend our anniversary, just sleeping. Um, but no, that that just means we are, I mean, we're working our butts off. 
I have been, you know, you've been listening to me kind of go on and on and on over the past how many months? Like like six months of of everything I've been doing and keeping up with. You know, we're working on animations and all this stuff. And we actually just kind of made a really cool, I guess, I guess movement, you could call it, uh, after Scarefare at 10 o'clock p.m., there is actually going to be an official, like, an official, legitimate uh, after party at AJ's Bar and Lounge, which is just right down the street from where Scarefare is going to be held um, at the, the fairgrounds if you live in Victorville. So it's the San Bernardino Fairgrounds, AJ's Bar and Grill, right down the street, $15 entry, and there's actually going to be live entertainment who will be at Scarefare and also at AJ's. So it's pretty, pretty cool that like we're, I, I don't know, it kind of, I don't know, it feels very like legitimate when you, <laughs> and not that like Scarefare isn't legitimate in any sense of the way. It's just, it's a whole other spectrum when you actually have like an official after party, you know, like an after party. It kind of just makes you feel like, I don't know, you're, you're. I don't know, because you think of, like, rap parties or, you know, after, like, a show or a concert or something, there's the official after party, and I've been to my fair share of after parties, and what else is happening with Scarefare? I feel like I'm losing my mind, is what's happening, um, honestly, because I am just all over the place trying to get everything done, get my stuff done, get stuff done for Scarefare, get, oh my goodness, I will be recording a podcast with Eddie for uh, my life as an American nerd come Monday, I believe. So right after, yeah, right after this gets posted. So that'll be kind of fun. And you guys can actually uh, see my face and all the weird faces I make when I'm speaking, which um, I'm not, I'm not always good with my face. <laughs> when we were at the show, I was talking to somebody um, about the podcast and I can't remember how I worded it, but it was like, I stumble. I stumble a lot over my words or I just start, I get like really caught up in my brain and I start overthinking what I'm saying. So it totally flew over the people I was talking to over their heads because they were like, what is happening with your podcast? Things are chaos, beautifully, majestically so. I cannot wait for the 31st. Things are moving. They're transitioning. We are getting there. We have come to the 100th issue of the World of Myth magazine, which is a huge accomplishment in and of itself. I mean, like, I, I feel like on one hand, you're like 100 issues, you know, especially knowing when, when we started, you know, oh my gosh, how many years? 15-ish years? 2007? right? No, 2004. Yeah, it's been, it's been many a year since the world of myths started. And it just feels like a huge accomplishment to be at issue 100. And we've only reviewed technically a small handful. You know, it feels like we've reviewed, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we've reviewed a ton. 
but it feels like we've been here for a good solid minute. <laughs> we've gotten to familiarize ourselves with all of the authors, gotten to really know their quirks, understand their writing, and it's definitely a gift to be able to see that and to be here with you guys on the 100th issues release. And so that means now we have the 100th issues review. Like I said last week, because of all the chaos, because this is a huge issue, countless entries. I did count them. It's so many. <laughs> um, We had to compromise. We're doing this. We're splitting. Okay. We're going to do one part this week and we're going to finish it up next week. So if we don't get to your work, you know, in this episode, don't worry. We're not just like ending it and that's it. We're only reviewing part of the magazine. We're just splitting it up. Like I said, because the biggest thing is ensuring that everybody's getting attention. You know, everybody I have locked in, I have given time, I've read um, a couple of them I've reread. You know, I, I really just want to make sure everybody is seen. So, if it takes a little bit longer, you know, apologies. And if that's something that's really annoying, I'm sorry. It's just kind of how the cookies crumbled. But again, just really wanted to take our time to appreciate all of the work because, again, there are so many entries. Before we get started, I'd like to thank everyone for their submissions. It was a pleasure. Next week, we will have the audio experience, Return to Heaven, by Linda M. Suave. Unfortunately, that one is going to be the last one for the foreseeable future. I'd like to thank everyone for their submissions, and it was a pleasure working on them. Thank you. And our first story, The Wall of Terrence, by David K. Montoya. Uh, one thing I love about these pieces, like these short, sweet precious pieces is the volumes in which they speak or in this one kind of screams um I think we can take this story by Dave at, at face value and it works meticulously if you do that without like losing anything or losing its core um or its meaning but when you dig a little deeper and you read between the lines, it works on a whole, a whole other level uh, that just, it, it, it wounds when you start looking at it at that level. And it wounds and it cuts deep. And I get it. I feel it. It stings and it like, it writhes with an echo of this this ache, this very specific kind of ache. I don't know. It just was really an absolutely amazing opening story and a great way to set off the tone of the issue. A great homage, a great, you know, I, I think I kind of understand where it came from in the first place. So I want to say like a, a proper dedication on this big, big issue. Um, so yeah, it was a really amazing story, I thought. Well, I couldn't agree more. Nice tight little package. Thank you very much. All right, and the next piece, The Time Traveling Healer, Episode 6 by Jim Bates. I feel... <laughs> Please correct me, Jim. I ask any authors, like, if I ever, like, misconstrue anything, feel free. 
feel free to hit me up and let me know if I just got it horribly wrong. Because, okay, I feel <laughs> like there is a a a secret, <laughs> a secret bit of sass in these pieces. <laughs> but I could be reading way too deeply into it or even just, like I said, misconstruing it. But personally, I'm going to enjoy that, that like secret amount of sass, <laughs> but also mindfully acknowledge how thoughtful Jim is when giving us these like these bite-sized pieces that he always so beautifully and meticulously presents. And I don't think there will ever be a story, however short and condensed or long and I mean, novel length that Jim, I, I won't fawn over it. You know what I mean? Like, there's just always something so magical about his work. And this one, again, with the underlying sass that I am hearing, it's, it's a magical story that has a lot to say with it. Thank you very much, sir. And next up, we have Skinny Dip. By Timothy Law. Memories of yore. Uh, the ache of loss and desertion. I felt was a very appropriate word. And that like that want. For a revolution. Or for a resolution. By however means necessary. Absolutely delivered gorgeously. And so masterfully macabre and it just it took my breath away in the the simple the simplicity of it you know what I mean and just an absolute other winner another winner from Timothy I cannot talk I'm sorry another winner from from Tim that undoubtedly just haunts in all of the the right ways yeah this one has some nice imagery on there thank you very much sir all right next up Father Time by Christopher Bice. Love, 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 love. Infinite amounts of love for this piece. I try not to be picky or, you know what I mean? Like, I try not to have any favorites. I try to be as unanimous as possible. But I loved this piece so much. I think, it, especially from, from Mr. Bice, this has to be one of my favorite pieces. The... The po poetic refuge for the hurt to Father Time and Mother Earth. Like, oh my gosh, I loved that parallel between them. And I absolutely, like my favorite part of this piece, I may, I may once again, the quote, I may once again court her as only I can. Because it just tells us absolutely everything about the destruction that we've wreaked you know just an oh my gosh just an amazing breathtaking piece I love it I don't want to say it's my favorite but it's it's definitely one of my favorites from from Christopher Bice I love this piece yeah it almost sounded like time is given up right there mm -hmm. thank you very much sir I oh that would have been oh my gosh that makes my heart ache that's how much I love this story. like I feel the head cannons we create for it and that's when you know you've hit gold. And next up we have Falling by James Rumpel. 
So if it hasn't been made clear yet up to this point, after the numerous reviews that we have done, I love James's writing. Um, his work always manages to blend genres together so fluidly and you always wind up affected in some way by the end. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. It's like you feel you start reading it and I don't know what it is. By the end of it, you f- your your entire mood, your entire like day has shifted after reading a James story. And I love that. Like that that is something I feel is I don't even know how you do that as a writer, like how you affect someone's day. But James does it and I always love it when he does it. Um, this this take of a fate befallen to a wisher uh, of a genie. I can only imagine that uh, there were some regrets. You know, uh, this is another one, too, that I kind of took off with its meaning and how I responded to it. I think there's there's a subtle vagueness of this fate. And I really enjoy that mystery. Just a really, really fun piece. This one that was based off a of Frank Sinatra song. Frank Sinatra song. Where he got punched in the face, everything at once. Ain't that a kick in the head? Punch him in the face. What's another? What's what's a, a copyright free beat we can do that too. <laughs> the next piece i am going to mispronounce this word i'm sorry sultana all right strong achaeans by sultana raza i always look forward to seeing what sultana is going to do next especially when she writes these uh homages to homer and greek mythology as a whole and part of it you know, part of it on a personal level, it it makes me have to do some reading and research because it's been so long since I've even like broached the subject of Troy. So it's definitely entertaining to have to reacquaint myself. So yeah, fascinating, beautifully written uh, piece that Sultana has such a like lyrical narrative I think that's the best way to describe the way she writes just lyrically uh and it's just something else you know it kind of doesn't hit you over the head it's so subtle in almost that sing song I love it anyway absolutely gorgeous take beautiful piece and a strong 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 beautiful homage that's the word of the day homage I got all my History lessons of Troy from Brad Pitt, anyways. <laughs> Excellent work on that. Thank you very much. All right. Next up Zombies in the Dark by Melissa Small. Okay. I'm sorry. This one might be a really long one. I really enjoyed this one because it's super relatable. I remember when I first watched Paranormal Activity many, many years ago. And if you listen to me talk all the time, I talk about how. You know, I, it's hard to scare me, but Paranormal Activity, like when it first came out, sorry, I'm so sorry, Melissa, this, this is poignant, I swear. When I watched it, I lived in a house where right above the bathroom, there was an attic opening, right? And it's the kind that like you lift up and you have to have a ladder to get in there. You doesn't have like a built-in ladder or anything like that. Like you have to get a stool or a ladder. And the, 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 it lifts up and you move it aside, right? Into the ceiling. That thing would move on its own 
no one around, nobody up there. And again, after seeing Paranormal Activity, which if you've seen it, you know that there is a demon who lives in the attic. And that's where he has his little secret hideout. Uh, And so it was terrifying. And I was sure I was going to die. Uh, Point being, I think Melissa captured that feeling very well. I don't know. I loved how she posed it because, again, it's super relatable and very fitting as we come up. We are in October now. So I was very excited to read this piece. Um, So, yeah, I think Melissa posed that feeling very well. And I thought it was a a perfect story to read. Thank you much. Something Better teaser number one, The Test by Jim Bates. I I love revisiting this story because it feels like it was so long. Like, it feels nice. You know, upon the the 100th issue, we're kind of going back and touching upon these these characters that we, we grew to be so familiar with last year, I think, is when we, we started reading the magazine. So, yeah, I love Quinn and Karen and I love revisiting them. And I cannot wait to see this entire, entire story put to paper. Thank you very much. All right, next step. Morning by Kate McDonald. But was it all just a dream? Them invaders, I'm just saying, they have a reputation for being stealthy in the uh, the nighttime. So I'm going to choose that. No, it was no dream. Uh, this poor woman had been orally probed. And I think that's absolutely terrifying. Especially because I know, uh, we all know that feeling. I hope everybody knows it. Um... Where it's like you wake up and, and you're trying to remember a part of a dream and it just kind of like fades away. Uh, and you can't remember it clearly enough, but it's like weird, like, like visions of it. You know what I mean? So just try and you're just trying to grasp it. So anyway, I loved this piece. Tantalizingly creepy. Absolutely. It was all a dream. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Next up, The Watchers by Timothy Law. The dialogue just had me grinning ear to ear. I love the way these two characters interact. It's so organic and pleasant to read. And the story itself was both delightfully humorous, but also terrifying. <laughs> like, imagine. Well, I don't know if you have to do much imagining. I enjoyed every second of this piece, though. Well done, Tim. Thank you very much. And next up... The Old Warehouse Gets New Bones by Linda Imbler. I love the harmony of this piece and Linda's usage of words. It always feels so smart. It just flows. Again, she's another one who knows how to hit that nail on the head and that that lyrical narrative, you know. And I endure the imagery that she paints and it's easy to feel excited for this old warehouse (laughs) you know you get giddy about it returning to its former glory rather than tear it down and rebuild something without any soul so i love it thank you very much next up we have fantasy and we're gonna start off with night of the bright blue bems part one by walter g esselman i missed gideon and pavataro so i'm glad to see them set forth on a new adventure and i won't even lie i hope we get more contact with the bems because i'm really curious about them and their reputation (laughs) um 
I'm, I'm, I, just that rumor, you know, the rumors that kind of just really set the pace. It's so, it feels a little misleading, those rumors. So, yeah, hopefully a little bit more content with the Bems. But if he's done with them, he's done with them. Um, I also really enjoy, again, especially with Gideon and Pavitaro, the, that organic and whimsical nature of the flow of dialogue between them and how Walter uses it to, like, he uses the dialogue to dictate the story further, you know, as opposed to forever long descriptors and it just works and it builds the dynamic in such a fun way. And again, I just love filling in on the joke with the two main characters and with especially, especially with Regent and Angus just watching them or needling and prodding, whatever, you know, they're doing. It's just pure excitement and I loved it and I just really miss these characters. So that was super fun and an exciting piece and I'm stoked for part two. Absolutely. I agree. Here comes the thunder. Thank you very much, sir. All right. The Burning Rings of Hellasaga Fated, Chapter One, Part One by Rebecca Illich. Uh, Rebecca immediately caught my attention. My eyes and ears genuinely like perked after reading the first few sentences and I'm so excited to see where exactly she leads us because this can go quite a few directions. Uh, so there's definitely an eagerness for what's to come. The only, only tiny, 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 tiny thing I actually have to suggest that is of any use whatsoever um, is just to be mindful of tenses. It happens. You know, I... I happen to do it whenever I write. Uh, we kind of went through like different bouts of switching them, but it's easy enough to overlook at the end of the day. So other than that, though, I think this is going to be a, can I say it? Can I say, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the pun and I better not get bleep for it. A hella interesting story <laughs> with a lot of delightful insanity. I'm sorry, Bleeping Rebecca. It. I hope that did not taint the story for you. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of interesting aspects to come is what I'm trying to say with a fun little pun. Um, and so, yeah, I, ask, I, I I really, really like crave that, especially in, in fantasy. So excellent, excellent, excellent and awesome work, Rebecca. Thank you very much. All right. Next up, the dawn of magic. Here be dragons, goblins and unicorns. Oh, my. By Sean Klimek. What a breathtaking, <laughs> awe-inspiring, delightful, and masterfully written piece of work. And I say this with absolute respect. But I feel like it was a very brave story because it could have easily teetered into really, like, boring territory. You know what I mean? And it's because it could, if in the hands of a writer, like, ill-equipped. But with uh Sean's like he's got a delicate touch with humor and lightheartedness so it never veered there but it could have you know what I mean so it's like only only someone like Sean could have given us this story and I love that so much um it was just so much fun to read and my eyes were glued to the screen just eating up each word one at a time and appreciating 
like taking my time with all of the details and all those little bits that work together to make such an amazing, unique and interesting story. And I love where we wound up, you know, the very human reaction to pondering the taste of a unicorn. <laughs> uh, I thought it was just absolutely a delightful and brilliant story of lore that fed my lore hungry soul. Yeah, absolutely amazing work, Sean. Just awesome. A very vivid, nice work. Thank you very much, sir. Next up, Daisy's Brush with Pegasus by Sultana Raza. I love and appreciate at the end, Sultana points out that she hopes the piece that Daisy found in this piece resonates with some readers. <laughs> because while I was reading this, I truly felt that piece. Just the absolute like quieting of the mind and just just breathing and enjoying the beautiful way Sultana presented the imagery and the calm while man maintaining that that subtle thrill you know of of the whole endeavor it was just meditative honestly I I think this story could be recorded you know what I mean like somebody could actually read this story and use it either as like a meditative thing or like putting them to sleep and not in a bad way. I really don't want that to be mistaken. Like it's just so calming, you know, especially if you guys didn't know, I may deal with anxiety. And <laughs> it, it calmed me, it quelled me, you know, and it just, it like undilutes the mind with, it just did a really good job of, of delivering its intent. And I loved it. It was absolutely beautiful, beautiful work, Sultana. That was an interesting first-person account. Nice visuals on that one. Thank you very much. Next up, D&D &D Little League. Level 1 can go bite itself. By Glenn Bresciani. Bresciani. You told me how to say your name. Uh, <laughs> I love these stories. And they're so fun, and I can't reiterate enough how much Glenn has been teaching me about D&D. I love these stories. They're so fun, and I can't reiterate enough how much Glenn has been, like, teaching me about D&D strategy with these pieces. Um, so for me, it's a complete win-win-win. You know, you get the entertainment factor check, funny, absolutely check, educational check, and of course, well-written, big old fat check. I think the realities, the reality of these bits are what drive the humor home because it's the lightheartedness mixed with the, like, like raw exasperation that is just so pleasing and funny to read because there's nothing inorganic about the delivery. It really just feels authentic to a train of thought during a game mixed and blended perfectly with the fantasy of that game. So it was just so much fun, as always. Thank you very much, sir. And next up, A Ranger's Tale, Part 9, by Jeff R. Young. This piece was phenomenal, and don't get me wrong, but man, oh man, I cannot wait for that retribution, as promised. I think as a reader and a fan of the series, it will be so worth it <laughs> and satisfactory but that is yet to come and as of now this part was just as brilliant as those before it Jeff's pacing is 
chef's kiss, you know, and you're continuously left on your toes or on the edge of your seat in anticipation for what's going to happen. And one thing I both enjoy and also hate about reading both Draven and Ironclaw's perspectives is their instincts. Um, don't get me wrong. I love that these characters are trained and skilled fighters and anticipate anything to come, but it also kind of bites you in the butt because we can usually expect they're right. <laughs> you know, I always like it when it twists, you know, the, the scene with Ironclaw, you know, he's anticipating his interaction with the little girl being something not great, but the little girl's just like, no, we're playing, dude, like, deal with it. And <laughs> I just felt really relieved for Ironclaw in that moment. And really, it, it, it reminded us of his human half, you know, and I just thought it was a great, great addition. And I cannot wait for the next chapter. Oh, and that retribution coming. This was just another story I genuinely missed. Amazing. That was another clean installment by Mr. Young. As usual, he delights with visual integrity and wonder. Thank you, sir. The final piece by Timothy Law. There was something super satisfying in that ending, minding the confusion on Peach's part, but more on that in a minute. Uh, the way these humans were so comfortable treating Petra the way they were, uh, so wishy-washy at times, you know, and other times just cruel, I guess an okay word to use, and dismissive. Yes, it, it just made me giddy hearing that one little word, and I hope Queen Catherine feels like a dummy. Uh, maybe there's something internalized there for me. I don't know, but I really enjoyed it, and I am glad they were at least allowed to safely disembark that ship because uh oof that poor party you know but especially Petra so now we're in Petra's territory and I couldn't be more thrilled to see where we head and what's to be learned in the coming chapters exceptional and exciting awesome work Tim thank you very much all right and now we're going to step into horror oh boy <laughs> y'all made me happy all right the first piece, The Old Mother, by Ted, I'm so sorry if I mispronounce your name, and please, like I said, if I do, come at me, tell me, and I will correct it. Tasha Swinney, Roy Shouthuri, okay? <laughs> Again, I'm so sorry. Oh my goodness, though, what a phenomenal and amazing story. It is, honestly, it is a perfect storm of horror, the slow burn, the mystery, the conservativeness of what horrors to express and which to leave to the audience's mind. I'm absolutely in awe of how that was delivered. I love the lore that was put into the, could we say antagonist? I mean, it was really like self-defense of the forest <laughs> or, or self-preservation, you know, protecting its inhabitants. So, no, antagonist, I think is the wrong word. Uh, but yeah, so while I absolutely praise every aspect of this piece, and it is absolutely amazing where it ended, but you know me by now, I'm spoiled. Uh, so I do ever so slightly hope this gets a second part. Uh, but if it doesn't, that is absolutely fine. Because again, what an amazing piece. 
I'm sorry. It was just a really good, interesting story. Absolutely amazing, amazing, brilliant piece. Yeah, it had an interesting, almost Gaia-like feel to that one. Thank you very much. Next up, we have Cheating Santa Muerte by Carmen Baca. I really, really, really enjoyed this piece for a plethora of reasons. One being it was easy not to feel too bad for Floor. I mean, did she deserve death? No, not necessarily. But she was a pretty awful bride. <laughs> and I don't know how to speak to her character outside of wedding planning and wedding having. Uh, so that was a very satisfying ending. But Carmen's way of writing it is so enigmatic and it's hard to look away. You know, you feel the dread, the anticipation of mortal danger. And not only that, when we meet this deity, we know full well who she is. But Carmen managed to humanize her in one simple sentence in a way that's absolutely terrifying and I just admired that accomplishment. You know, it, it truly was a fun, interesting, haunting tale. But there was like that similar note of the power of belief and how it uh, it can kind of bite you in the butt. <laughs> anyway, amazing piece, Carmen. Excellent work on that. Thank you. All right. Next up, A Hotel California Night Part 2 by Linda M. Sov, which I just saw that this actually won member of the month. So congratulations. Let's get into why. Well, what a daydream. I mean, not too shabby. I'm sorry, this is going to be a whole lot of rambling, guys, and I did not mean it, but my, oof. I'm extremely curious where we're going, and I just hope it's a nice big surprise. You know, like, what what are we dealing with exactly? Um, vampires? ghouls, demons, angels even. Uh, so I think we stand a chance at being really surprised with the next part or just what's to come, you know, in the future. That being said, <laughs> and I, uh, ooh, <laughs> that being said, uh, yeah, sorry, Linda, that scene was distracting in the best of ways. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, it was very meticulously and, um, deliciously written uh very entertaining visuals i'm trying to keep this pg <laughs> where it gets a little tricky it was intense in a good way and i'm both perturbed by that daydream uh it's meaning i mean like what it means and what's to come for anna and nick you know i mean if it's if it's too good to be true especially like on nick's part like them them women hmm just ask Jonathan Harker, you know? <laughs> anyway, awesome chapter. I am, I'm waiting with bated breath for <laughs> the next one as I really, really, really cannot wait to see where we go from here. Well, she's setting it up as a twist ending for Ghost Dance Macabre. Sounds like I thought that too. <laughs> I thought that exact thing too. And again, no... End of scene. Thank you very much, <laughs> Linda. Look up the video for... Uh, ghost dance macabre. It you, you can't help like, but like your brain kind of goes there. <laughs> and I mean that in the best ways because it's a phenomenal song and an amazing music video. Next up, Penance, part five, Wreath by Stephanie J. Barty. Uh, yes, 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 yes. I have numerous yeses, like just written in all caps. While I do so love seeing Reese and Marlin adjust to the 21st century, 
oh boy, do I love exploring the lore. <laughs> and wowza, that was intense and brilliant. It was it was hard to read, you know, because of the the everything that was happening to Reese, but because we're like learning how to care about her as we learn more and more about who she is. Um, it was just phenomenal. I just wow, like that final moment, much like Carmen's piece with the where she hum, like humanized Santa Morte, the end, that moment that was so spiritual and rich really brought the reality of Reese's humanity to, to life, you know, for us. Um, and no matter, like, no matter how much she denies that part of herself. So I just thought it was a phenomenal piece that was written and beautifully presented. I absolutely adored this chapter. That being said, do they make iPods anymore? You said it best, Mama. Excellent work on that. Thank you very much. All right, guys. We're going to end it here. We're going to pause, if you will. Um, there is still a lot of writing, reading to do for uh, the next bit. And I say that very pointedly at Dave, who up and decided to write, what, part 35 of 34 part series. <laughs> so <laughs> we are going to return next week and finish out. Like I said, I hope you guys understand why we have split the 100th issue into two pieces because there is so much. And I really, really want to reiterate how phenomenal this issue is. And again, I am so happy that we are a part of this journey and ride and here for the 100th issue. Excellent work, everybody. Thank you very much. All right. In the meantime, you can find us at theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Mm-hmm.